Welcome to Mornings with Jesus. This is a live, interactive Bible study where we can connect with Christ and community daily and deeply. Join us every weekday morning at 6 a.m. Eastern Standard Time as we read a chapter of the Bible, pray, and share our reflections. Whether you are joining live or on the replay, I know God will meet you here. I also want to invite you to the Faith Mamas Tribe app. This is a free app where women of faith can connect, be encouraged, and have their faith strengthened. It's the online social space I know you've been looking for. So make sure to do three things before we start. One, subscribe to this channel. Two, share this with a friend. And three, download the app. Trust me, you'll be glad you did. Now let's dive in today's Mornings with Jesus. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to Mornings with Jesus. My name is Dominique Young, and I'm excited to be here with you all on this Friday, known um, known throughout the world as Good Friday, which is the day that we remember um, the death and crucifixion of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So I am excited to be here with you guys today to study the Bible and also um, to have time to just remember uh, the amazing sacrifice that Jesus made uh, for each and every one of us. But before we jump into today's chapter, we're actually still going to be reading Judges chapter 4. But before we jump in, I want to say good morning to some of my friends that I see here live. Good morning, Donita. Good morning, Miss Margaret. Good morning, Hyquintier. Good morning, Allison. Good morning, Audrey. Good morning, Shanda. Good morning, Lashana. Good morning, CJ. Good morning, Brooke. Good morning, Donna Lanita. Good morning, Lilith. Good morning, Heather. Good morning, Colina. Good morning to you. Good morning to you. I want to say a really quick announcement before we jump into gratitude. So one of the things that Faith Mamas is working on right now is that we are doing a climb out of the darkness in June. And you might be wondering what that is. Basically, it's a fundraiser where we are raising funds to be able to support women um, that are going through what we call perinatal mental health disorders, but also to support women that are struggling with their mental health in general. And our desire is to raise funds to be able to put grants together so that women that can't afford therapy but really need it are able to go and then also so that we can put together the Faith Mamas um, Therapy Collective, which will be a listing of Christian therapists that are able to do or to conduct therapy at a, a low cost um, to the individual. And we would really love to have a team of 15 women that are willing to help us raise funds for this initiative. Again, a team of 15 women. Right now, we have a team of five, so we just need 10 more women. And so if you are interested in being a part of that team to help us to raise funds for this and to also come to the event, it's a virtual event um, and the date and information is in the app. But if you, even if you can't come to the live event on, on, or the virtual event, and you would just like to help us to raise funds for this, and you believe in this work, and you believe in getting people the help that they need, please go to bit.ly forward slash forward slash 
climb out of the dark. Usually I don't do announcements at the beginning, but I really didn't want to forget this because I've been forgetting it. And I was like, man, today is Good Friday. And we see that Jesus rose and we've been saying Jesus rose. So can I. And so I pray that you guys would get involved with this um, to help other sisters that might be struggling find this, the resources that they need. So again, that's bit.ly forward slash climb out of the dark. I hope that some people will join the team. We got five. We're looking for 10 more or more. So if you're interested, please join. You can join from anywhere um, to help us to raise those funds to be able to support, again, women that are going through uh, perinatal, which is like after pregnancy, during pregnancy, um, mental health disorders, but also women that are that are going through any mental health disorder and are looking for Christian-based therapy support. So Thank you, thank you, thank you. I just wanted to remember that. All right, let's jump into a time of gratitude. What are you grateful for this morning? What are you grateful for this morning? Good morning, Lilith. Good morning, Heather. Good morning, Ellen. Good morning, Joanne. Good morning, Shelly. Good morning, Anna. What are you all grateful for this morning? I'm grateful. I had an amazing conversation with a mother and a daughter yesterday. Um, that are a part of Faith Mamas. And it was absolutely, it was a beautiful conversation. We were actually talking about mental health um, and how to support women that are dealing with um, mental health issues and concerns and how to support them and how as the body of Christ, we can do a better job of supporting people that are really, really going through um, some dark times. So I was just really excited uh, to be meeting with them and and that God uh, seems to be pointing me in that direction of help and support. And I told my husband, um, I was like, babe, I really don't think that I can help in this era. I desire to, my heart desire is to help women that are going through mental health issues and concerns. But I constantly was like, well, I don't know because I don't feel like I'm all the way out of some of the things. And, um, (laughs) my husband continued to remind me of all the people that God used even though they were still dealing with some of their own things as well. So that was just really encouraging to me. So I'm grateful for that mother-daughter duo, duo, and I'm grateful for my husband um, and the encouragement he gave me. And I'm grateful for you guys. I'm just grateful. I'm grateful for all that God is doing. Um, I went to school for psychology, and so I've always had a passion for mental health support, um, specifically um, in the body of Christ. And so I'm really excited. I don't know what God's going to do, but I'm just really excited for what he's doing, some of the open doors that I see. Um, Hyquintia says, I'm grateful for the cross and the price God paid for me. Come on. Okay, we can end mornings with Jesus right there. Hallelujah. I am grateful for the cross and the price God paid for me. Amen. Brooke says, thank you, Lord, for the sacrifice you made for us despite our faults. Hallelujah. Allison says, I'm grateful for every new day and grateful for the excitement of what the day can bring. Hallelujah. Audrey says, I am grateful for God nailing my stuff to the cross and forgiving my sins. Reset this morning. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Lilith says, I'm grateful to God for always taking care of our needs. Hallelujah. Whew. Hallelujah. And I've been saying it all week. I'm so grateful that God rose, that Christ rose so that I can rise with him. Hallelujah. 
Donita says, I'm grateful for the reminder that Jesus died for little old me. It's Good Friday and so many things are happening in my life that I know are all God's hand and Jesus' sacrifice coming together. Woo, hallelujah. Anna says, grateful to be in the land of the living and that it's Friday. Hallelujah. Good morning, Bevy. So glad to see you. Donita said, God is faithful. Yes, he is. He is faithful. And we've been spending a ton of time in the Old Testament, but the Old Testament is actually the perfect context for understanding the New Testament. It's really hard to understand fully the New Testament and what Jesus did without the old. And so as we see Israel go back and forth, back and forth from sinning and all these things, we realize that the real thing that that it, that it um, that Israel and all of us need to be saved from is actually ourselves, our sin, right? And Jesus came and he died, brought, took all of that on the cross. Amen. Hallelujah. Joanne says, I'm grateful for God's sacrifice for me. And I thank him for rising for me. Hallelujah. Bevy says, I'm grateful for the cross and his love. Amen. Ellen says, grateful God lifts us up. Hallelujah. Heather says, I'm grateful for God's redemptive plan, redemption plan. I am grateful for every blessing that he continues to give me. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, y'all know what I'm going to say. Keep the gratitude flowing. Don't stop on my account. We are getting ready to jump in to Judges chapter four, and I'm going to pray us in. But if you got a praise and you got to let it out, shout it out. Let God know that you are grateful. Type it in. Let God know that you are grateful and don't stop. Don't stop. You can pause the video and just let God know. Kalina said, I second that, Audrey. I'm not trying to steal what other people are grateful for, but that's my mindset right now. It's Friday, but Sunday's coming. Come on. Know you heard, but but I'll never be, but it'll never be old. Amen. It'll never get old. Amen. Hallelujah. It's Friday, but Sunday is coming. Amen. CJ says, I'm just grateful. Hallelujah. I'm just grateful. I'm just grateful. Hallelujah. And the strategy of of, of Jesus um, on the cross, we really understand that through the lens of the Old Testament. Because when he said it is finished, it was on the day of preparation. So everything that needed to be done was finished right there. And then he went in uh, and was buried and spent the Sabbath day um, and rest in the tomb. And then on the first day of the new week, y'all, he rose. He rose. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. All right. I'm going to go ahead and pray. And we're getting ready to jump into Judges chapter four. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you, Lord, so much for the opportunity to to read the scriptures once again. We thank you so much for the opportunity to come all together. We thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to just be here with you, to be here with our other sisters from all over the world, Lord God. We are grateful, Lord, as we go into Judges chapter four, we ask that you lead us, that you guide us, that you show us what it is that you want us to see, Lord God. And Father, that you draw us closer to you. Our desire is to be close to you is to know you, 
is to know you better than we ever have before. Our desire, Lord God, is you. You are our heart's desire. You are our heart's desire. So Lord, we pray that you draw us close today and that you show us what it is that you want to see, what you want to talk about this morning. Lord, we give you the glory. We give you the honor and we give you the praise. And we ask you to have your way. Where you lead, we will follow. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. 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 All right, today, you guys, we will be reading Judges chapter four. If this is your first time reading with us, um, this is how it goes. So the first time we read, we're going to read this chapter two times. The first time you can feel free to close your eyes, soak it all in, get a picture of what's going on in the story. The second time, feel free to take out your pens, your highlighters, write in the margins, take notes, circle keywords and phrases so that we can, so that you can kind of bounce them off and see what's going on and Even if you don't know why the word is standing out to you, circle it, highlight it, underline it. I'm sure that God will show you why he's directing you in that way. Then we're going to go into a time of personal reflection where it's just you and God. And then we're going to come into a time of corporate reflection where we can all share the different things that we are, we've been reflecting on. So if that sounds like something you're interested in, then you are absolutely in the right place. And today we're going to jump into Judges chapter Four, Judges chapter four, and I will be reading from the CSB translation, but you can feel free to read from whatever translation you have available to you. Amen. Shelly says, oh, what a wonderful savior. Isn't he wonderful? Thank you, Lord, for making a sacrifice for me. I am so grateful. Hallelujah. Me too, sis. Me too. All right, here we go. Judges chapter four. Four. Let's read together. The Israelites again did what was evil in the sight of the Lord after Ehud had died. So the Lord sold them to King Jabin of Canaan, who reigned in Hazar. The commander of his army was Sisera, who lived in Herosheth of the nations. Then the Israelites cried out to the Lord because Jabin had 900 iron chariots. Then he harshly oppressed them 20 years. Deborah, a prophetess and the wife of Lip Lapidoth was judging Israel at that time. She would sit under the palm tree of Deborah between Ramah and Bethel in the hill country of Ephraim, and the Israelites went up to her to settle disputes. She summoned Barak, son of Abinoam, from Kadesh and Naphtali, and said to him, hasn't the Lord, the God of Israel, commanded you, go deploy the troops on Mount Tabor and take with you 10,000 men from the Naphtalis and Zebulonites? Then I will lure Sisera, commander of Jabin's army, his chariots and his infantry at the Wadi Kishon to fight against you, and I will hand him over to you. Barak said to her, if you if you will go with me, I will go. But if you will not go with me, I will not go. I will gladly go with you, she said, but you will receive no honor on the road you are about to take. 
because the Lord will sell Sisera to a woman. So Deborah got up and went with Barak to Kadesh. Barak summoned Zebulun and Nephtali to Kadesh. 10,000 men followed him and Deborah also went with him. Now Heber, the Kenite, had moved away from the Kenites, the son of Hobab, Moses' father-in-law, and pitched his tent beside the oak tree of Zananim, which is near Kadesh. It was reported to Sesera that Barak, son of Abinom, had gone up Mount Tabor. Sisera summoned all his 900 iron chariots and all the troops who were with him from Harasheth of the nations to Wadi Kishon. Then Deborah said to Barak, go, this is the day the Lord has handed Sisera over to you. Hasn't the Lord gone before you? So Barak came down from Mount Tabor with 10,000 men following him. The Lord threw Sisera, all his chariot charioters and all his army into a panic before Barak's assault. Sisera left his chariot and fled on foot. Barak pursued the chariots and the army as far as Harasheth of the nations, and the whole army of Sisera fell by the sword. Not a single man was left. Meanwhile, Sisera had fled on foot to the tent of Jael, the wife of Heber, the Kenite, because there was peace between King Jabin of Hazar and the family of Heber, the Kenite. Jael went out to greet Sisera, Sisera and said to him, come in, my Lord, come in with me. Don't be afraid. So he went into her tent. She covered him with a blanket. He said to her, please give me a little water to drink for I'm thirsty. She opened a container of milk, gave him a drink and covered him again. Then he said to her, stand at the entrance to the tent. If a man comes and asks you, is there a man here? Say no. While he was sleeping from exhaustion, Heber's wife, Jael, took a tent peg, grabbed a hammer, and went silently to Sesera. She hammered the peg into his temple and drove it into the ground, and he died. When Barak arrived in pursuit of Sesera, Jael went out to greet him and said to him, Come, and I will show you the man you are looking for. So he went in with her, and there was Sesera lying dead with a tent peg through his temple. That day, God subdued King Jabin of Canaan before the Israelites. The power of the Israelites continued to increase against King Jabin of Canaan until they destroyed him. Let's read this one more time. The Israelites again did what was evil in the sight of the Lord after Ehud had died. So the Lord sold them to King Jabin of Canaan, who reigned in Hazor. The commander of his army was Sesera, who lived in Harasheth of the nations. Then the Israelites cried out to the Lord because Jabin had 900 iron chariots, then he harshly oppressed them 20 years. Deborah, a prophetess and the wife of Lapidoth, was judging Israel at that time. She would sit under the palm tree of Deborah between Ramah and Bethel in the hill country of Ephraim, and the Israelites went up to her to settle disputes. She summoned Barak, 
son of Abinoam from Kadesh in Nephtali, and said to him, hasn't the Lord, the God of Israel commanded you, go deploy the troops on Mount Tabor and take with you 10,000 men from the Nephtalites and Zebulonites. Then I will lure Sesera, commander of Jabin's army, his chariots and his infantry at the Wadi Kishon to fight against you. And I will hand him over to you. Barak said to her, if you will go with me, I will go. But if you will not go with me, I will not go. I will gladly go with you, she said, but you will receive no honor on the road you are about to take because the Lord will sell Sesera to a woman. So Deborah got up and went with Barak to Kadesh. Barak summoned Zebulun and Naphtali to Kadesh. 10,000 men followed him and Deborah also went with him. Now Heber the Kenanite had moved, or the Kenite had moved away from the Kenites, the son of Hobab, Moses's father-in-law, and pitched his tent beside the oak tree of Zanim, which was near Kadesh. It was reported to Sisera that Barak, son of Aboni Abinom, had gone up Mount Tabor. Sisera summoned all his 900 iron chariots and all the troops who were with him from Harosheth of the nations to the Wadi Kishon. Then Deborah said to Barak, go, this is the day the Lord has handed Sisera over to you. Hasn't the Lord gone before you? So Barak came down from Mount Tabor with 10,000 men following him. The Lord threw Sisera, all his charioteers, and all his army into a panic before Barak's assault. Sisera left his chariot and fled on foot. Barak pursued the chariots and the army as far as Herosheth of the nations, and the whole army of Sisera fell by the sword. Not a single man was left. Meanwhile, Sisera had fled on foot to the tent of Jael, the wife of Heber, the Kenite, because there was peace between King Jabin of Hazar and the family of Heber, the Kenite. Jael went out to greet Sisera and said to him, come in, my Lord, come in with me. Don't be afraid. So he went into her tent and she covered him with a blanket. He said to her, please give me a little water to drink for I am thirsty. She opened a container of milk, gave it to him, gave him a drink and covered him again. Then he said to her, stand at the entrance to the tent. If a man comes and asks you, is there a man here? Say no. While he was sleeping from exhaustion, Heber's wife, Jael, took a tent peg, grabbed a hammer and went silently to Sisera. She hammered the peg into his temple and drove it into the ground and he died. When Barak arrived in pursuit of Sisera, Jael went out to greet him and said to him, come and I will show you the man you are looking for. So he went in with her and there was Sisera lying dead with a tent peg through his temple. That day, God subdued King Jabin of Canaan before the Israelites. The power of the Israelites continued to increase against King Jabin of Canaan until they destroyed him. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you so much for the opportunity to read Judges chapter four. 
as we move into a time of personal reflection and then into a time of corporate reflection, we ask, Lord, that you would guide our reflection time, that you would show us what it is that you want us to see. And Lord God, that you would help us to know you better, that you would draw us closer through this story, Lord, that we it would be more than just words on a page or a testimony of old, but it would be an opportunity for us to get to know you in a deeper way. Lord, we thank you. We give you all the glory, honor, and praise. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. All right, y'all, we're going to move into a time of personal reflection, and then we'll come back for a time of corporate reflection. Here we go. All right. So we are back for a time of corporate reflection and we are actually getting into um, some of the the judges that we may be more familiar with or or have heard of. One of them being Deborah. Um, You may have heard about Deborah in stories or in sermons. And so now we get to read her story of what actually happened while she was a judge of Israel. Um, So I'm really excited about that. And before we jump into our reflections, so type in your reflections. Before we jump into our reflections, I just want to really quickly um, share a little bit of background. So it talks about this guy named Heber and his wife, Jael. And these two individuals were related, were relatives of Moses's father-in-law. And if we remember Moses's father-in-law from Exodus, he was actually the one who set up the judges system in the very beginning of Israel coming out of Egypt. If I don't know if you guys remember Moses's father-in-law coming to uh, Moses and saying, hey, you can't keep this up. He was seeing all of Israel was coming to him to settle disputes. And he was like, hey, you can't keep this up. You can't be the one that's settling disputes, that's going before the Lord, that's 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 calling all the shots and everything. He says, set up a system where there are people that will judge matters for you. And so hence came the judges. Now the judges turned into a, a not they didn't just judge the nation, but also we see throughout the book of Judges that they were also warriors in many cases. But it's very interesting here that we see kind of a partnership in this chapter between the um, the lineage of Moses's father-in-law and the people of 
Israel. So I just wanted to draw that line and draw us back to what we what we remember from Exodus. So what is standing out to you guys about this chapter? What is standing out to you guys about this chapter? Donita said the whole chapter. Come on now. The whole thing. The whole thing. CJ says, uh, verse eight stood out to me. Did Barak ask Deborah to go with him out of fear? It's possible. Now we have to understand that we see what we see um, from what is happening is that Barak kind of takes his information from Deborah. So Deborah is a prophetess. So she's a judge and she's a prophetess. So Deborah hears from God. That's not, that's not a normal thing, right? There is not like people are not filled with the Holy Spirit as like 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 we can see today, things like that. So it is possible that he wanted oftentimes warriors wanted to take prophets with them so that they could make decisions based on what God is saying and not just make decisions. And so we see here that Deborah was the one in verse 14. It says, Then Deborah said to Barak, Go, this is the day the Lord has handed Sisera up over to you. So it seems that Deborah is the, is kind of the voice of God for him. So he is following what she says. And the likelihood is that she, he wanted to keep her close so that he could hear the voice of God when he was on the battlefield. And that was not abnormal. You see that throughout um, the book of the, you see that with um, David, you see that with um, King Saul, you see that with some other kings, how they wanted to keep the prophets close to make sure that they made decisions in accordance with God because they couldn't hear God as clearly as the prophets could. So she was a prophetess and, and he took his, like he he went when she said go, he, he pursued when she said pursue because he trusted that she was hearing from God and by him following her that he would hear from God. But this is, this is not abnormal with Israel. The, the warriors often wanted to partner with the prophets. Um, Allison said, verse 14, the Lord is marching ahead of you. Come on. The Lord is marching ahead of ahead of you. Allison says, reminds me of how the Lord helps fight our battles. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Nyla says, uh, good morning, everyone. My eyes got so wide when it came to the temple part. Wow. I wasn't expecting that. Come on. Donita said verse nine and verse 22. Deborah told Barak a woman would gain the honor of the battle and it wasn't even her. It was Jael. Deborah was such a leader that she didn't even, she didn't need the accolades just to give out God's instructions. Come on. Whew. Whew. Lilith says verse four through nine and verse 21. Let's go to verse 20, 21. Verse 21, while he was sleeping from exhaustion, Heber's wife, <laughs> this one, Heber's wife, Jael, took a tent peg, grabbed a hammer, and went silently to Sisera. She hammered the peg into his temple and drove it into the ground, and he died. Can we just talk about some of the boldness of the women that we have been noticing throughout scripture. You got Caleb's daughters. You got this girl, Jael. You got Rahab. You got Deborah. Like sometimes we don't talk a lot about the women that are in the scriptures that are actually like, you're like, yo, let me tell you why this woman, what she did was kind of reminds me of a Rahab situation. So it says here, that Heber's family was in some type of peace 
with King Jabin. So her husband and King Jabin had a relationship. Her family and King Jabin had a relationship. However, she decided to, to take God's side. Even though King Jabin and her husband, King Jabin and her family had this relationship, she decided to take God's side. She decided to fight the battle that God was fighting, even if it meant that she was not doing what her family would have expected her to do. <laughs> Jael's family, and this is why Cicero ran to their, their house, because they had, they had a relationship. And he figured, okay, if I go to her house, she will cover me up because I know her husband. The king knows her husband and she'll cover me up and she'll hide me. First of all, let's just, he was the commander and he left his people on the battlefield in order to hide. Let's just go ahead and say that. But he figured, oh, I know these people. I feel, I, I know these people. And so Jael if she was going with what her family would have told her, wanted her to do, she would have never done what she did. She would have hit him. But she decided that I'm not going to fight against God. I'm going to fight alongside him. That was a big deal. She was making a very, very big stand. A very big stand. Donita said, verse 15, the Lord handled it. 900 iron chariots versus foot soldiers. It was supposed to turn out bad for those soldiers, but God made it happen. Yeah. Carlina said, she rent, judge, the judge Deborah rendered judgment under a palm tree, which means she sat under the palm tree and heard cases outdoors. That's kind of neat. Why do I find great fascination to think about that? Pretty amazing. Donita said verse 21 um, is a beast. And I was like, wow, that is amazing to be thinking on your feet. This is a time of war. Jael knew what was up and had to fight. Come on. And the thing about it is Jael's fed. <laughs> Jael's family was ultimately on the side of King Jabin on the opposite side of God. And Jael must have recognized that. And so she made this decision and came alongside the God of Israel. Oof. Barb says, it's exciting to see the connection between the Old Testament and the New Testament. Barak is the same guy, Hebrews 11, counted as faithful. Come on. So it links... That's why I said the Old Testament is the perfect context for understanding the New Testament. Carmina, hey, sis. She says, if I'm not mistaken, women normally aren't leaders. But in this case, as in other cases in the Bible, the Lord uses women as leaders. So ladies, be alert and vigilant. We can be used. Uh, we can be used and strong. Amen. And you know, Throughout the scriptures, now women are not talked about as often as in the Bible as men are, but throughout the scriptures, you do see evidence often of women being prophetess, which was a big deal, right? P. 
people took it very seriously. If you were a prophetess um, and you were able to hear clearly the voice and the direction of God. So that did happen, right? And here we see um, uh, Deborah being a judge of Israel. That was also a big deal, right? So she was a leader. She was a judge of Israel. She was who they came to to judge matters. Now, we don't know whether there was other women judges or not. We don't really know. There was a ton of judges and we will never know their names, right? Because the judges system was set up um, with, with Moses's father-in-law back in Exodus. So there may have been some women judges, but the only one we know of by name is Deborah and her interaction with Barak and that she was also a prophet, so prophet as well. Oh man. Um, Colina said, I read that she was outdoors under the palm tree because they didn't want any problems between the sexes. So it was all public in front of everyone to see. It's possible. The scriptures don't necessarily say that, um, but it is possible. And they did a lot of their judgments and things outdoors. Donita said, um, this is the, this is it, uh, this chapter five, this and chapter five are my favorite so far. Great reminder as a woman leader to stick close to God and to listen to him. Whoo, come on, hallelujah. Can we, th there's one thing that's really sticking out to me about Deborah and about Jael. And the one thing that's really sticking out to me is that I've got to lay down my desire to take the credit. I've got to lay down my desire for people to see me. We see Deborah and we know her now because of her testimony. But at that time, she wasn't trying to take the credit. She was just trying to make sure that what God said do was done. And she was willing to stand for God, even if it meant she stood in the background. But Jael also, we have to identify that she was willing to stand for God, even if it meant rejection from her own family. So we have to understand when Jael did what she did, she was going against her family, her entire family, possibly her husband, y'all. She was going against her family for God to stand with God. And so you have these two women that are willing to stand with God, even if in Deborah's case, it meant that she doesn't get the credit for this or for hearing from God. Like nobody's going to be like, woohoo, go Deborah, you heard from God. No, because Barack is the warrior. Barack is the one that's going to get the credit. Barack, but she didn't care. It was about God and what God wanted done. The same thing with Jael. She, she could have been rejected from her whole family. Like, what are you doing? You're not supposed to go against your family like that. Your husband has made peace with the king. And you're putting a target on your, your family's back by killing the, the, the sergeant of that king army. But she decided to side with God, even if that meant rejection from her own family. Like some of the things that God will call us to do, nobody will ever know about. 
Some of the things that God will call us to do, it's not going to be on Front Street blasted. It's not going to be like, a, oh, you started a ministry of millions of people are now. So many of the things that God is calling us to do, it's not this big, huge, oh, this is happening. It's the decision to be committed and faithful to God, even if that means that nobody remembers my name. And even if that means that everyone rejects me. Carmita says, choose the Lord before men. Come on. Choose the Lord before men. Choose the Lord before men. Carmita said, the perfect helper for Barak and servant of the Lord. Come on. Hallelujah. The Brown Bunch said, committed to serve God. Hey, sis, committed to serve God, even if alone or no claps. Come on, no applause and potential rejection. Anna says, sometimes you have to go against the grain. And when God wants to use you in a mighty way, you have to to start off alone. There's often times where you start off alone. Come on. Audrey said the prophet will not mute their voice. God called the prophet to be his messengers in the earth. Come on. Darnina said, this is a thought. Deborah didn't call JL and say, God told me to tell you. Come on. Deborah did her part. JL did her part. God gets the glory. Come on. And Barack, he also did his part, right? So they all did the part that they were designed to play. Deborah didn't then try to go do Barack's part. She said, look, I'm a judge and a prophetess. I'm not a warrior. Deborah was the, was not fighting. We have to understand this. Deborah was not fighting. Deborah was out there as a prophetess to tell, tell Barack when to fight and tell Barack what was going to happen and say, hey, Barack, and get this, Deborah said to Barack that, hey, I will gladly go with you, but you will receive no honor on the road you are about to take because the Lord will sell Sisera to a woman. Barack could have been like, nah, I don't want to go then. I'm not going then. If I'm not going to get honor for this, if nobody's going to clap for me for this, then I'm not going. But Barack went anyway. Why? Because it wasn't about him. It wasn't about Deborah. It wasn't about Jael. It was about the Lord. Come on. It was about what God was going to do. Barack wanted Deborah to go with him to make sure that he was hearing what God wanted him to do. And he recognized that by doing by doing what he was doing, he was he was he was not going to receive glory for this. He was not going to receive glory for this. And I find this chapter amazing. I think people have taught Barack's story in a lot of different ways. They've taught that Barack was too afraid to go without Deborah. They've taught a lot of different things about this. But I, this is what I see, that Barack was willing to make sure that he was hearing from God, even if that meant that he was not going to get the applause. Look, Deborah, you hear God. 
I need to, I need you out there with me to make sure that what I'm doing is what he's saying. I don't care if I get the glory or not. I don't care if people clap for me or not. I need us to make sure that what's about to happen is God ordained. I'm not trying to go out there doing it on my own. I want to go out there doing this in accordance to the way God is, is doing it. And Deborah, you hear from him clear. So come with me. All of this. You recognize that all of this, their eyes were on God. It had gotten really tough and they had gotten to the point of desperation. So like when you get to a point of desperation and you're under that kind of oppression, I don't care who, I don't care who knows my name. Deliver us, Lord, by any means necessary. I, I don't care. I don't care who rejects me or not. Deliver us, Lord, from this oppression, Lord God. And God, you get the glory, not me. Hallelujah. You get the glory, not me. What if God were to tell you and me today? What if he were to say, hey, I want you to start this business or what have you. And you start it and you put everything that you could into it. And God says, but nobody's going to know your name and nobody's ever going to know you started the business. And, it, and it's going to go to uh, someone in your family and everybody's going to give the credit to them. Would you still do what God told you to do? Would you still be present where God told you to be present? I believe it's a heart check for all of us. Why are we doing the things that we're doing? Is it for the glory of God or the glory of me? Nidia says some of us had to be the spiritual leaders for our children when our husbands are refusing to follow God, having devotions with them and listening to their problems with their classmates and injecting God's word into their problems, teaching them to pray all while doing this in the spirit of humility real. Jael recognized, okay, my husband may have sided with this king, but this king is going to get us killed. So I'm going to take a stand for myself, but she also took a stand for her family because she recognized that the king of Israel is truly powerful. So she sided with the king of Israel instead of the king Jabin. <laughs> Bevy said on this Holy Friday, it's amazing to read about two strong women, Deborah and Jael, who decided to trust God, even if it meant being rejected by man, but accepted by God. Mm. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Barb says, what God says gets done. The footnote says, after 20 years of oppression by Jabin. So Jael was aware of the current affairs. 
And I'm sure her family, look, we got to understand her family. It says right here. It says that uh, in verse 17, meanwhile, Sisera had fled on foot to the tent of Jael, the wife of Heber, the Kenite, the Kenite, because there was peace between, because, listen, because there was peace between King Jabin of Hazor and the family of Heber, the Kenite. So he went there because there was peace between them. So I'm sure that during all of this turmoil, when King Jabin was wreaking havoc with his chariots, that this family was sitting comfortable. They had peace with King Jabin. They didn't have no issues with him. They were sitting comfortable and enjoying the comforts of living life because King Jabin and them had an agreement. They had peace. And this woman said, I understand we've been living comfortable for these 20 years. We've been watching the oppression of Israel. We've been watching this nation get oppressed and we've been watching all this stuff happen however i realized that the god of israel is now fighting for them she recognized she recognized something had shifted and she sided with the king of kings the king of kings we have to understand how big of a deal this is how big of a deal this is. Calling this a judge just goes to show you God will keep his word and will not overlook disobedience, but also that he is willing to forgive his people and rectify their transgressions. Donita said, yes, Barack wanted to make sure, uh, make sure. So he went to Deborah in the first place. Sounds like he sought wise counsel. Come on. Carmina said, the Lord puts people in our way, time and places when needed to complete his purpose. Donita said, heart check, will I work for the Lord without earthly recognition for my works? Mm -hmm. Allison said, the Lord marches ahead of us. Come on. The Lord sees everything going on. His timing is not ours. My nose is doing something weird. His timing is not ours. He makes things right in time, in his time. Come on. In his way. Carmina says, yes, in obedience, at work, using my experience to get things done. But the credit was taken by my coworker who had no experience. Right. God, God shows us time and time again, will we be willing to do what he asked us to do, even if? It means nobody knows. And even if it means that we're rejected by our family, even if it means that we have to make a decision that nobody else will agree with. Even if the same thing goes for Barack, he was willing to fight knowing that a woman was going to get the credit. He led an army of men. He led an army of men. They 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 took out all of the army of this of of this king, but this woman took out the commander. So therefore, she gets the credit for the victory here. Right. And she also does it knowing that the potential fallout from this.
So the question becomes, am I willing to follow God at all costs? Or is there something that I'm, I'm like, nah, I can't give you that. What if my family rejects me? What if they don't agree with my decision? What if, what if I, what if I, 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 I do something and, and nobody knows that I did it? What if the credit is given to somebody else? Will I still go? Will I still fight? Will I still do what God is calling me to do? God had to get me to the point where he re- what I, where I realized. So I'll be honest with you. When I, um, God was dealing with my heart on making Faith Mamas a nonprofit. So in the United States, when you make an organization a nonprofit, the organization doesn't belong to you. It belongs to the board, which means at any point, the Faith Mamas board could vote me out, right? They could be like, no, you're not really taking the organization forward, Dominique. We're going to replace you as the executive director. We're going to vote you out and we're going to put somebody else in. And I'll be honest. When I started down this path, I I realized I knew the law and I was like, I don't know about that. I'm putting in all this time and effort and some people could just vote me out. That's where I was. I was like, I don't know about that. I don't know about that. And God had to get me all the way straight and said, this isn't yours anyway. It's not yours anyway. I could move you out of the way in a day and put somebody else in. And I had to deal with my pride because I'm like, no, God, I put in a lot of work here. Like I did all the things you asked me to do. I want to see this thing like flourish. I want to be a part of it. And God's like, no, you want to get the credit. You want to get the credit. But you have to be willing to be movable. God, like whether you get the credit or not, whether God says, okay, Dominique, you're done. I'm going to move somebody else into this role to do this. And then when somebody else gets into the role, boom, all of a sudden the ministry takes off and all these people. And what, what happens then? Am I going to be jealous that they got the credit? You see, God is like, it doesn't, that's not what it's about. It's not about who gets the credit. It's about God getting the glory. That's it. It's about the fact that God went ahead of them and fought their battles. It's about the fact that God went ahead of them and made sure everything was in place the way that it needed to be in place. It was about the fact that God responded to their cry. It was about the fact that God showed up. It really had little to do with Deborah. It really had little to do with Barack. It really had little to do with Jael. It was about how God showed up. And when God showed up and the people he used when he showed up. Come on. Audrey said one plants, one waters. God gives the increase. Only God can do that. God gets the glory. Come on. God gets the glory. Heather says, are we willing to do anything for God to be glorified? Are we willing to do anything for God to be glorified? Colleen said, you know how it was a big deal because she was a judge. Did God use her because the men were not able to do what God wanted him to do? Trying to figure out how how to word this. There are some people that think that. There's nothing in the Bible that tells us that, though. 
God just used her. She was the judge at the time. She was the prophetess and she was able to judge. Remember what, what, um, what Moses' father said. He said, put people in this role that are able to make sound judgments. And she was able to do that. And she was able to do that. She was able to do that. Allison says, trusting God means trusting his way, trusting how he does things, who he uses, when he does or doesn't do something. Trust God, that's my part. Not trust God if he does it my way and I get the credit. Or trust God if he makes sure that I'm not rejected by my family or I'm not uncomfortable by making the decisions that he wants me to make. No, just trust God. That's my part. Could you imagine if Barack took on the mindset of probably a lot of men in his culture and said, oh, I, I, I don't, I'm not even going to listen to Deborah because she's a woman or and she, he took on the mindset of, oh, no, I'm not going to go. I'm not going to go and embarrass myself for some woman to get the credit. Could you imagine if Barack took on that, that mindset? Look, God going to use who God going to use. Barack took, this is what I really love about Barack. <laughs> he took on the mindset of, look, I don't, <laughs> I don't care. I don't care what people think about me by taking you, Deborah, on the battlefield. And I don't care if the, if a woman get the credit. I'm just trying to make sure we do what God, I'm just trying to make sure we do what God says so that we go ahead and win. <laughs> My friend used to say this, do you want to win or do you want to look good losing? <laughs> oh, it hit me so hard when he said, he says, do you, Dominique, he said to me, Dominique, do you want to win or do you want to look good losing? Barack said, look, I want to win. I don't care how it looks. I don't care how it looks. I want to win. I, I don't want to go out there looking good, losing. I want to make sure that we win. So, yep, I'm going to take Deborah on the battlefield with me. And, yep, I don't care if a woman gets the glory or the, the, the honor for this. I want to win. I want to make sure that I'm on the winning team. I want to make sure that I'm with God. I want to make sure that I'm going in the direction he has. I don't care what it looks like. I don't care what it looks like. I don't care if it looks crazy. Come on. I don't care what it looks like. I want to win. And God is the, is the winning team. I want to make sure that I'm on the winning team. I don't care what it looks like. I don't care what it looks like. CJ says, it reminds me of one of those trust building activities where you're blindfolded and you have to trust your partner's voice to get from one place to another. That's exactly what Barack and Deborah's relationship was. was. He trusted Deborah. She must have had a track record of evidence that she heard from God clear. And he trusted her. So when she said go, he went. Man, you shouldn't be listening to that woman. I don't care. <laughs> I'm not trying to look good losing. I'm trying to win. And this woman, she can hear from God. 
<laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like Barack didn't care. All that other stuff goes out the window when you are in oppression for 20 years under a crazy king who is harshly oppressing you. And God says that I'm going to deliver them into your hands. And this woman can hear from God. Oh, yeah, I'm going to take this woman with me. <laughs> Woo wee. Sometimes we get so caught up in looking good, losing. That we're refusing to get on the winning side. Come on. Nidius is benefiting our community at the expense of our accolades. Honor recognition is a sign of someone who is committed to loving God and loving their neighbors. Come on. Bevy says, heart check. Why are we serving God? Are we willing to wait for God to promote us? Come on. Verse nine, but you will receive no honor. Will you still trust God to follow his instructions? And God didn't, God didn't withhold the information. Deborah told him, look, the journey you're on, the path that you're taking, you're not going to receive honor. A woman is going to actually do this. And he went anyway. Okay. But we win, Dodo. <laughs> but but the but the community wins. But the na- but the nation wins, right? Israel wins. I don't care who. I don't care who gets the honor. This is Barack's mindset. I don't care who gets the honor. <laughs> it, I really believe Barack was like a donkey could get the honor. I don't care. Israel wins, right? The God of Israel uh, wins over the. Is that that's all I want to know? I don't care who gets the glory. I don't care. I don't care who who gets the honor, right? As long as people know that the God of Israel is powerful. Woo-wee. Ooh, my goodness. I don't know who this is for, but it hit my heart so hard. So I know it's for somebody either here or on a replay. God is asking you to help your husband to start a business and you holding back because you want the glory. You don't want to help him because you want to do your thing. You're like, no, 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 no. I want to do my thing. And God is like, but when you help him, the whole family wins. God's been talking to you. And now this is not just for everybody. I'm not saying everybody. God's telling you. This is for somebody that God's been talking to you about helping that man get that business off the ground. And you've been dragging your feet because you want your business to get off the ground first before his. And God is like, look, if you help him, instead of grumbling and complaining about how he doesn't know how to do the things that you know how to do, if you help him, even if you don't get the glory, your whole family wins. That's for somebody. I, I don't know who, but that's for somebody. Your whole family will get the glory. Your whole family will get the glory. You're over here dragging your feet on helping because you want the glory. But by doing that, all you're doing is looking good and losing. But if you are willing to go help him and his business, his business will take off and your whole family will benefit. It's not about who did it first. Come on. It's not about who did it first. It's not about you. It's not, 
It's about God getting the glory. And if this is the direction God wants you to, to go, then any other direction that you may think is better, it's just it looking good losing. You're not actually winning. If we're not going in the direction that God is having us to go. For some of us, God may have told us to go help our mother-in-law or go help a woman around the corner or somebody. And we're like, I don't got no time to help them. I got to focus on my own thing. I got I to gotta get my own stuff. I got to make sure my name is known. I got to make sure my stuff is known. I got to make, whoo. And God is like, it does, that's not how it works. You got to go where I tell you to go. Even if it means that you're in the background. Even if it means that there's a season where you're in the background, nobody knows your name. Nobody even knows you are a part of that. But I told you to be a part of it. Go. It'll benefit the community. It'll benefit who? Come on. Go do. Even if you're in the background, nobody knows your name. Nobody knows that you are a part of it. Now, granted, for these guys, we know them now. We're reading about their testimony. But at that time, Rock didn't get the honor because he didn't, he didn't take out the the main person in charge. Come on, Donita said, Western culture has us thinking we got to be seen. Nope. Trust God, that's my part. And do the part that he has told us to do, even if nobody notices. I'm going to go here. So some of us start stuff. We started a YouTube channel because we believe God told us to. We started a blog because we believe God told us to. We started posting on Instagram because we believe God told us to. And then people don't seem to like or notice the posts. And we think about quitting. Oh, ain't nobody really reading these blogs. Ain't nobody really watching this YouTube channel. Ain't nobody really seeing and responding to these Instagram posts. I'm a quit because don't nobody really see me. But God sees you. And he's the one that told you to do it. When he told you to do it, did he say to you, only do this? If thousands of people notice you? Did he tell you to do this? If only, only look, you you get did he did he say to you, you get you can quit 
if thousands of people don't like your post. If you realize that people aren't really liking your post and noticing it, then you can quit. Is that what he said? Because I'm pretty sure it's not what he said. I'm pretty sure when you got the unction to start posting on Instagram, to start to start the YouTube channel, to start the blog, to do the this, to do the that. I'm pretty sure that God didn't say only do it if you're seen and noticed by thousands. No, he said do this. Period. We have no idea if what God is calling us to do will help one will help thousands, will help millions. And we have no idea if what God is calling us to do will, will help anybody in our generation. It could be very well that I put out a blog and I die and it's for a person in a generation after me to read the blog post. We have no idea. But are we willing to do it because God said it? And are we willing to not quit until God said it's finished? Come on, Donita said, folks get mad when their own family don't support you. Guess what? It's still not about you. Do God, what God told you to do. Come on, God didn't say do this if your family supports you. If your friends come. It's not about, it's not about who comes, who goes. It's about obedience to God. Am I willing to do what God told me to do no matter what? Even if people don't see, even if people don't respond, even if my family rejects me, even if people think I'm crazy, but I know that this is what God told me to do. I know this is what God told me to do. Come on, Bailey says, we don't always get to see the harvest from the seed we sow. So if I oh if I refuse to sow a seed because I am I don't know if the harvest is coming. Come on. Somebody told me a, a YouTube guru that I very much respect said, oh, Dominique, you probably need to stop doing the mornings with Jesus thing because they're really long form content on YouTube, and YouTube doesn't really respond well to long form content like this, like live streams like this. People want to see something quick. People want to see something something simple. And I, I, I considered it. I started tweaking some things. And then I had to remember, hold up. I'm not doing this for YouTube to like me. I'm not doing this for the YouTube algorithm so I can't change in obedience to the YouTube algorithm. I'm doing this because God said so. Sometimes you got to remind yourself, hold on, I'm not doing this for the likes. I'm not doing this because I want people to like what I said. I'm not, I'm doing this because God told me to. I'm not doing this for the sales. I'm doing this because God told me to. And everything else is his part. It's when we get caught up in all the everything else that we want to quit. Come on. Think about it. Every time you've probably quit something in your life and determined that it wasn't successful, it was because, oh, it wasn't really good. A lot of people weren't really, weren't really subscribing. And a lot of people weren't really commenting. And, you know, I quit because, you know, it didn't really seem successful. Well, what is successful? Well, you know, a lot of people weren't really engaging with the content. But if but if God called you to do it, then how come other people get to determine whether it's successful or not? Why wouldn't God get the right to determine if it's successful or not? 
Come on, Bevy says, are you willing to do the work without recognition? Or do you are or are you ready to look good losing rather than winning for Jesus in the background without our name? So you quit. Remember, our calling is to trust God. That's our part. Come on, our calling is to trust God. That's our part. The Brown Bunch says, I always think about Noah in this sense. It seemed like nonsense. They had never seen rain. He looked crazy, but he was obedient. CJ said, listen, you never know who's reading the post, watching the video. It always surprises me when someone reaches out and says they are encouraged by your consistent posts. Come on. Erica says, Dominique helped my life drastically. I'm the one person. Come on. Come on. And what if I would have quit the first month when I was like, oh, only about five people coming on this, God. It can't be you. Like, you the God of exceedingly abundantly. There's only five. God said do it. He didn't say how many will come. He just said do it. Come on. Juliet said the most important thing is to get the job done. Come on. What's my part? What's my part? So when I try to determine if what I am doing is successful, ask this question instead. Did I do what God told me to do? Instead of saying, oh, how many people came? How many people showed up? How many sales did I get? How many people did all the things? How many people liked my post? How many people commented on my post? Instead of, instead of doing that, ask this. Did I do what God told me to do? Did I do what God told me to do? Because if I did what God told me to do, whether anybody knows my name or not, I'm successful. Come on. Did I do what God told me to do? Was I obedient to the direction and the leading of God? Whether anybody knows my name, whether my family rejects me, did I do what God told me to do? Come on, this goes the same, the same thing for forgiveness, right? What if I wronged somebody and God says, you need to go and you need to apologize. And I go and apologize to that person and they don't accept my apology. And then I come back to God and I'm like, God, I did what you said, but it wasn't, it didn't work out. God said, I never told you. They would accept your apology. I told you to apologize. You thought you added the other piece. You thought you were somehow deserving of them accepting your apology right now. But all I told you to do was apologize. You did your part. Good job. But now, God, now I look like a fool because I apologize and they still. Who cares what you look like? You did what God asked you to do. You did what God asked you to do. What about when somebody is coming at you and they're hollering and screaming, cursing at you? And God says, hold your tongue. What? Don't say nothing. God, I can't just let them talk to me like that. What am I look like? What am I look like if they talk to me like that? What are they? What are the other people that are looking at me going to think? They're going to think they can disrespect me like that. What am I look like if I let them talk to me? And God's like, it doesn't matter what you look like. 
Do you want to win or do you want to look good losing? If you want to win, keep your mouth shut. Why? Because God told you to. And God is on, God is the winning. God is the winning team. So God said, don't say nothing. Don't say nothing. No matter what it looks like. No matter if on the outside, everybody thinks you're losing. You can rest assured that you're winning because you have sided with God. Come on. The Brown Bunch says our success is measured by being obedient to God. We are not playing by the rules of this world. Come on. God is smiling on us when we are obedient. My husband used to say when we would get in arguments and I, you know, um, he said the he said, when you try to win in an argument with your spouse. You both lose. And it's the it's real. It looks like I'm winning, but I'm really losing. When I'm trying when I go into an, a conversation with my spouse trying to win trying to dominate said conversation. We both lose. Allison says, trust God, that's my part. Never mind the path, the process, the why, the who, the when. Eyes on God, period. Eyes on God, period. Woo. Ah. Come on. Eyes on God, period. When Jesus was on the cross, what did it look like to everybody? I mean, we're on Good Friday, right? Let's talk about it. When Jesus was hanging, bleeding on a cross, what did everybody think? Oh, that Jesus ain't who he said he was. That Jesus ain't really the, this great man. That Jesus, he done lied to everybody. Here he is with no power, hanging on a cross. He don't look powerful. He don't look like nobody king. He's bloody, he's battered, and he's on a cross. I don't see no angels coming to get him off of the cross. He looks defeated. Come on, Jesus. Woo. And God's up there like, looks can be deceiving, though. <laughs> Doesn't matter what it looks like. Did I do what God said? Because if I did, that's a win. That's a win. It don't matter who recognizes it. That's a win. That's a win. God might be telling you to tell your story, tell your testimony. And your family, some of your family's like, nah, girl, don't tell that. Mm-mm. No, keep that to yourself. And then you start telling it, your family not supporting you. 
victory doesn't always look pretty. Victory doesn't always look pretty. So I've got to be willing to give up the pretty looks for the true victory. I used to ask my husband, I said, what do you want to accomplish in this life? Because I was really big on like accomplishments and goal setting and all this stuff. I was like, what do you want to accomplish in this life? And he would always say the same thing. I want to hear, well done, my good and faithful servant at the end of this. And I'm like, yeah, but what else? (laughs) He's like, that's it. And what my husband helped me to realize is that I could get all the trophies. I could get all the claps. I can get all the likes on social media. I can get all the people saying, oh, what you did was so helpful and it helped me. I can get all that. And then get to heaven and God said, but you didn't, you didn't do what I asked you to do. Then my husband helped me to realize that, look, he's like, I got one goal to hear well done, my good and faithful servant at the end of my life here on earth. That's it. And I don't care. And my husband's real about this. He's like, I don't care if I stay in the background forever. Look, my husband can preach the pants off. That's probably a horrible analogy, but he can preach really well. Like he is a great preacher. He knows the scriptures way better than me. He knows biblical history way better than me. Like, and I'm sometimes I sit up here and I'm like, babe, why don't you like go and apply to like this pastor role? Or why don't you go and do this? And why don't you go and do that? Because I'm like, oh, you're just so gifted. God's giving you this gift. And I'll And my husband is always just like, I want to do what God told me to do. And he didn't tell me to do that. And I'm like, man, babe, why don't you start this? And you could do this and you could do that. And And guess what my husband does? He goes to gas stations and talks to people about the Bible. Anybody that stops him on the the side of the road or um, anywhere, asks him for money or whatever, He'll give it to them and then he'll talk to them about Jesus. He doesn't need a stage, a platform, nothing. He doesn't have a YouTube channel. He has no blog. But he's available to God. I remember one time, and I'm just going to go ahead and tell you all about this man because it just, it blew my mind. I remember one time we were, we went to Panda Express and we were coming out of Panda Express and there was a guy there. He had some busted shoes, like the shoes were horrible. And he was just, he was trying to get some food. And um, my husband got him a meal. And then my I watched my husband take off his shoes. He asked the man, what size shoe you wear, man? And the man said, what size shoe he wore? And I watched my husband take off his shoes and give it to this man. And the man burst into tears. Then he begins to tell the man about the, the love of Jesus. And then he walks, my husband walks back to the car with just his socks on. 
And I'm like, you gave that man your shoes? And he said, well, God told me to. Look, nobody will ever know. That's what we have to realize. Nobody will ever know, but I can guarantee you that that man's life has changed forever. I don't know what he's doing right now. My husband might not never know how what he did impacted that man's life or other people. I could I could go on to tell you story after story. And my husband will never know the impact he's made in these people's lives. He met them once. He probably never see them again. But at the end of his life, his success is not based on how many dollars he has in his bank account and how many people like the blog post or a YouTube channel or whatever. His, His life is designed so that he hears well done at the end, whatever, making himself completely available to whatever God wants to do through him. And I'll be honest. I still, God's still working with me on some pride things and some things like that. But every time I see my husband, it is a reminder to me of the freedom it really is to live for an audience of one. My husband has been rejected. He has been cursed out. People have treated him poorly. And he still smiles. Why? Because he's not doing it for them. It's for God. Colina said that has helped me so much at my church, you guys. Taking my eyes off myself and off of others and focusing on the one I need to. This helped me so much spiritually. I didn't realize how much I was doing it. Come on, Allison said, are we sacrificing what we know to, to do for man, for pride, for money, for attention? Nothing teaches us the preciousness of the creator as much as recognizing the emptiness of everything else. Nidia says, Jesus endured the shame and suffering of the cross because he knew the end game, the redemption of a people for God. Donnie doesn't live for an audience of one. That's it. Bridget says obedience is better than sacrifice. Anna says you are accountable for what you do and don't do. That's real. Bevy says when, when we are in the trenches, no matter what, take the high road. Be obedient to the call of God in your life. Barb's is freedom to live for the audience of one. That's good. What, honestly, ask yourself, what would happen if you live for an audience of one? If God was the only one you were concerned about being pleased with your actions? What would happen? We would stop quitting stuff just because nobody showed up. We would stop basing our effectiveness on whether or not it was a crowd there. We would stop basing our success based on what our family members thought. 
Deborah had a job. Barack had a job. And Jael had a job. And they did their jobs. For who? For God. It didn't matter. When, when Deborah said, Barack, you're not going to get honor for this, he still went. Jesus knew he was going to have to hang on a cross. He still went. Why? Audience of one. Audience of one. Allison says, God sees all. We don't need to prove anything to man. Come on. Audience of one. The Brown Bunch says, Jesus asked God to take this cup from him, but yet and still, Lord, let your will be done. Audience of one. Audience of one. Audience of one. That helps. Now I don't got to try to figure out how to please this person, that person, how to please an algorithm, how to please YouTube, how to please a blog, how to please this, how to... One. Audience of one. It helps also in our parenting. Does my child think I'm a good parent? Are they going to grow up to think I'm a good parent? Are they going to... Audience of one. Yes, you love your kids. Yes, you love your family. But they ain't your audience. God, God, I serve him. I want him to be pleased. I want him to be pleased with my life. Audience of one. Audience of one. Everybody else might turn their backs. And then they might come back later. They might leave. And then come back. This happened many times in my life. It's painful. But I'm not living my life for them. Doesn't mean I don't love them. Doesn't mean I don't pray for them. I'm just not living my life. I can't, I can't live my life for them and live my life for God. Audience of one. Audience of one, God. What is success? At the end of my life, I want to hear a well done, my good and faithful servant. God, are you pleased? I can't guarantee that my husband will be pleased with everything I do. Jael, family probably was not pleased with what she did. I can't guarantee that my children will be pleased with everything I do. I can't guarantee that faith mamas will be pleased with everything I do. And you know what? I can't even focus on that. God, are you pleased? And if not, Lord, let me know and help me change. 
Praise God. These super stickers are so cool. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God, are you pleased? Am I following you, Lord? We've got to realize that when we forgive, when God asks us to forgive, he's pleased. Even if you feel crazy doing it, we've got to realize that when we apologize for a wrong that we've committed, God is pleased. We've got to realize that when God tells us to tell our testimony and even when our knees are shaking and we're nervous to tell our testimony to this person, but we do it because we know God is leading us to, God is pleased. We've got to realize that when we show up in the morning because God has led us to mornings with Jesus, God is pleased. We've got to understand God is not trying to get us on some stage, on a pedestal. He's not waiting for this pinnacle moment to be pleased with our lives. Every day that we decide to follow God, wherever he leads, God is pleased. If God has led you to observe the Sabbath and you've been observing the Sabbath, God is pleased. If you're in an argument and, and, and God, and God's like, don't, don't say nothing. And you hold your tongue. God is pleased. Do not let the world fool you into thinking. That you didn't please God because you didn't deliver a sermon to thousands of people. Do not let the enemy fool you into thinking that you didn't please God because someone is unhappy with you. God is pleased every time you decide to follow him, no matter how big or small the task might seem to you. God is pleased when, when he leads you to pray for your husband and you pray for him. Even when you upset with him, you pray, pray. God's pleased. God is pleased. Come on, there's some people that are in a, a, a in a challenge right now with Donita that are cleaning out their house and that are taking little steps to declutter. I feel the leading of the of God to, you know, God has been dealing with you and talking to you about the mess in your house. And you are now taking steps to deal with that. God is pleased. God has been talking to you about your health and things. And so you got into the health and wellness group and you are in that challenge and trying to learn about your habits. God is pleased. Audience of one. Every time, every little time I decide to follow God, he's pleased. Every time I decide to say yes to God, God is pleased. And the interesting thing is that even in the times that I that I that I mess up, God still loves me.
we're going to see over and over throughout the book of Judges that they constantly try to go back to some other gods. But when they cry out, y'all, God's still there. He loves us. And when we finally laid down all them other gods, all those other audiences we're trying to show off for and do all the things, when we lay down all the idols, when we lay, when we finally are like, look, and just lay them down and just say, God, I'm just going to focus on you because I can't focus on all this other stuff. Everything changes. We were not designed to please everybody. And most people don't even know what they want. So we try over here trying to please people that don't even know what they want. And, and it's changing every five seconds. God is clear. He don't change. He will share with you exactly what he wants. Give you a clear ability to be able to serve him. He'll be pleased. He's pleased with you. Come on, some of us are struggling with addiction. And yesterday, maybe you used to smoke a pack of cigarettes and yesterday you only smoked two. God is pleased. Come on now. Can we just say that? He sees you. He sees your fight. He sees your heart's desire to love him and to serve him. He sees you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you, Lord, for who you are. We thank you, God, so much that you are just good. You are so good. And there is absolutely none like you. We love you. And we desire, God, to live our life for the audience of one, just you. Lord God, help us to lay down all the other ideas of success we may have that are blocking us from truly serving and giving our lives to you. Help us to realize that the success that we're looking for lays in only one phrase. Well done, my good and faithful servant. That's it. It's not about the size of house we have or the amount of zeros in our bank account. Lord, we desire to live a life that's pleasing to you. So Holy Spirit, would you help us to live a life pleasing to God? The audience of one. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. 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 I love you guys. I pray that you have an amazing Friday as we reflect on the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus.
I pray that um, we realize that it didn't look pretty when Jesus was on the cross, but it was powerful and it changed the world. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I love you guys. And I want to say one last announcement. I said it at the beginning, but some of you guys know that um, God has really put a passion on my heart for uh, mental health, specifically in women. And I had an amazing opportunity um, to meet with the Brown Bunch, her mom. Um, I believe that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I believe the Brown Bunch is who I've met with. Let me know if I'm incorrect, but I believe that's her name here. But I had an, an opportunity to meet with her and her mom. And we talked about mental health and we talked about some things. And God has just really been dealing with me on some things. So I want to invite you guys, if you are willing, um, to join our team for the Climb Out of the Dark. It's called the Climb Out of the Darkness. And it's put on every year uh, by Postpartum Support International. And what we're doing is we will have an event in June that's virtual. Um, but up until then, we can raise funds. And these funds will go into helping uh, faith mamas be able to serve women that are dealing with mental health um, issues and need therapy support um, and don't have the resources. We want to be able to give grants um, away to women that need the support and aren't able to. And then also, um, we are putting together a therapy collective of Christian therapists that are willing to um, provide their services at a low cost. And all of this kind of is starting right here with this climb out of the dark, which is going to be a virtual event for Faith Mamas in June. So I'm asking anybody that's interested in helping us raise funds, even if it's $5, $10, it doesn't have to be, you know, thousands upon thousands of dollars, even though that's cool too. Um, but if you're willing to be on a team and say, hey, you know, I'm willing to raise some funds. I'm willing to tell people about this. Then please join the team at bit.ly forward slash climb out of the dark. We are trying to get to 15 team members by the end of the day. Um, we have five right now, so we just need 10 more. So I ask you if this is something that you're interested in or that God is tugging your heart in, please go to bit.ly forward slash climb out of the dark and help us to be able to provide the resources um, and the services um, and all the things that that God has just placed in our heart. So yes, please, please, um, please do. Uh, Jessica says, is the therapy only for perinatal mental disorders? No, it's not. It's going to be for any woman needing um, therapy, period. Um, any woman needing therapy, period. So yes, it's a great question. And so that's what we're raising the funds for. Um, yeah, that's what we're raising the funds for. So help us out to do that. A portion of the a portion of the funds raised will go to just women um, dealing with perinatal mental disorders. But then a large portion of the funds will go to all women in need. We believe wholeheartedly that there are some amazing professionals um, out there that are, are willing and able to help. And we want to connect each person with who they need um, and who God is able to use in our lives. So anyway, it's bit.ly forward slash climate of the dark. And I will put this in the description box. And it's also, I'm also going to put it in the app. I would love it if you guys would join the team. 
don't worry. It's not a huge commitment. Just tell somebody about it. And also, if you come on the day of the event, um, there will also be an opportunity if anybody wants to sign up to tell their testimony and story. And we're going to try to bring in um, pastors and um, church leaders to um, begin to tell them about what women in their congregation may be going through and they may not understand um, what they're going through. So hopefully we'll be able to spread awareness um, and help the body of Christ understand what's going on with when we're talking about mental health um, and how it's kind of all intertwined with our physical health as well. Anyway, so I say that to say, please join the team. We would love it. And I will give more information to the team uh, next week about just, you know, some some cool things that we can do to raise funds for this initiative. All right. And, and some of y'all joined the team already raising funds. I think we raised $65. That's awesome. Our goal is to raise a thousand. Um, so we are on our way. So I love you guys. I pray that you have an amazing Friday. I'm going to put a video out today. Um, it's a quick devotional that we can reflect on throughout the um, throughout this resurrection weekend. I love y'all. Audience of one. Allison said audience of one is life changing. And that's the truth. Love you guys. Have an amazing weekend. And I'll see y'all in the app. Bye for now.